And now, for the first time in color, the 38th Academy Award. And welcome back to The Snub Club. You know, with any truly great motion picture, the only thing that dates it really are the fashions of the time. The podcast with the movies that have the most Oscar noms and no wins whatsoever. This is the night devoted to one man, Oscar. Hello! And welcome back to The Snub Club. The podcast with the movies that have the most Oscar noms and no wins whatsoever. I am your host. Danny Vincent. That's what this movie sounds like if you watch it not on um 1.75 speed. <laughs> Who else is here? Hola. It's Sarah. This movie doesn't get a joke. <laughs> I'm Caleb. I don't think any of us really tried. <laughs> I am here to say. Yo, I'm David, so I'm here to say. Um, this year is we hit the 1960s. And let me tell you, the 1960s is a new decade. And what is special with the 1960s is we have a countdown to get through. With 10 nominations is a film called The Apartment. Ever heard of it? It wins five of them. It wins Best Picture. It wins Best Director for Billy Wilder. It wins Best Original Screenplay. It wins Best Art Direction, Black and White. And it wins Best Film Editing. Then there are three films with seven nominations. One of them is called The Alamo. It wins Sound. Um, the Alamo is also famously what I despise in movie-going these days. Um, and the other thing that has seven nominations and one win is a film called Sons and Lovers. And it won Best Cinematography, Black and White. But then there's a film. A very special film. I get seven nominations and no wins. Sarah, what is that movie? Pepe. What was Pepe? Don't ask me. What was Pepe nominated for? Um, well, Pepe, as they say in the movie, Pepe. was nominated for Best Art Direction Color for Ted Hayworth and William Kiernan. They lost to Alexander uh, Golitsyn. Eric Orbum, Russell A. Glausman, and Julia Heron for Spartacus. Uh, Hayworth was nominated four more times and one for Sayonara, and Kiernan was nominated five more times. Best Cinematography Color for Joseph McDonald, who lost to Russell Betty for Spartacus. Uh, he was nominated two more times. Best Costume Design Color for Edith Head, uh, who lost to Bill Thomas and Arlington Ballet for Spartacus. Edith Head was, of course, nominated 26 more times. Uh, She won eight, including Best Costume Design Black and White for The Facts of Life that year. Um, Best Film Editing for Viola Lawrence and Al Clark, and they lost to Daniel Mandel for The Apartment. Um, Good good Uh, loss, I'll just say. Good loss. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) uh, Lawrence was also nominated for Pal Joey. Clark was nominated five Former times. Um, best scoring of a musical picture for Johnny Green, who lost to Morris Stoloff and Harry Suckman for Song Without End. Uh, he was nominated eight more times for Best Score and Best Short. Uh, he won five. He won five times for Best Score and Best Short. 
Uh, best song for Andre Previn and Dory Previn for Far Away Part of Town. Uh, they lost to Manos uh, Hatsidakis for Never on Sunday. Uh, Andre was nominated eight more times and won four, and Dory was nominated two more times. And finally, best sound for Charles Rice, who lost to Gordon E. Sawyer and Fred Hines for the Alamo. Um, and he was also nominated for Bye Bye Birdie. Bye Bye Birdie. Bye Bye Birdie. Now, Caleb, do you want me to do historical context, or would you like me to give you instead the Oscar ceremony? I'll get historical context out of the way. It's the 60s. Yay. Um, guess what happened in the, the 60s? 60s. Whoa, oh, 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 oh. Yo, mama, go, go, go. That movie got no Oscar nominations. Insane. All right, go on. <laughs> One of the uh, notable Hollywood events that took place in 1960, which according to the director, at least had a uh, an effect on this movie, and I think you can tell, is that there was a writer strike going on. <laughs> In a way, that makes it such a miracle that the apartment is the apartment. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the writer strike went on from January to June, so it was a pretty long one. Uh, I think there was one in the late 80s that beats it out by a couple weeks, but it was mainly over um, writers having royalties or game paid royalties when their movies were shown on television. Uh, obviously TVs were still rather new um, and movies showing on TV was uh, also rather new. So there wasn't anything, uh, you know, set it out, but eventually when the strike came to an end, there was an agreement that any movie that was made post 1960 writers would get a 2% uh, 2% of the income from that movie being screened. Now, there was also a actor's strike in 1960, although that one did not last nearly as long. However, you can hear Bob Hope joke about it at the uh, Oscars ceremony. I was going to say, um, I would not assume there was an actor's strike while watching this movie. The writer's strike, sure. But I was going to say, it's interesting how history repeats itself because the last big writer's strike was all about residuals from streaming. So it's like, yep, we just always like when it comes to syndication or reshowing these films, there's just always an argument over like, we don't need to pay any royalties. There's nothing in your contract that says I have to honor the Internet, you know, <laughs> or like something like that. Um, it's always it's literally what it always is. It's like great, but not really great. You want to know about the ceremony, though? Sure. This is the um, first ceremony to be aired on ABC, which is aired the Academy Awards every year since, except between 1971 and 1975, because those were the NBC years. Now, The Apartment wins Best Picture. This is the last black and white film to win Best Picture until Schindler's List. Do you remember the other black and white film to win Best Picture? The Artist. Yeah. Are you looking at that on Wikipedia or did you actually remember? No. I, I, think I love The remember. Artist. No, I know. I remember us I talking about Uggie back in the day. Back when, we first, back, back when The Artist was a recent movie when you're like, Uggie, the dog. He's still alive. <laughs> yeah, we love Uggie. Gary Cooper got an honorary award at this Oscar. However, Cooper himself was too ill to attend the ceremony. So Jimmy Stewart accepted the honorary Oscar on his behalf. But Stewart got very emotional, and the following day, newspapers ran the headline that Gary Cooper has cancer, and Gary Cooper died four weeks later, less than four weeks later. Um, this is the first year there was a red carpet. 
for the show. And Haley Mills is the final recipient of the Academy Juvenile Award for Pollyanna. After this, they have to compete against, you know, the main, in the main categories. Main categories. I also just like just to round it out because I mentioned Gary Cooper and Haley Mills is special. The final special achievement award went to Laurel of Laurel and Hardy. Laurel and Hardy. So, and speaking of comedy, let's talk about Peppy. This movie has no plot. <laughs> You know, I don't necessarily. Here's the thing. I feel like it's kind of like a loose anthology. I mean, I think that there's certain parts. I mean, there's the beginning when he's got his little horse. There's the casino. I don't remember anything in between those two. There's no. There's the there's the there's the the Jack Lemon cameo. That's the only cameo I remember in this movie, really. Yes, and I have a fun fact about that cameo. Um. There's the, him producing a movie. So, there, I mean, I would say... Wait, Pepe, does Pepe no. produce the movie, right? Or does that someone else who produced the movie? Well, he Pe- produced the movie in the movie. Well, th- no, that, my point is, this is this... You guys haven't seen it. This Babylon is a remake of Pepe because it's about a Mexican immigrant who comes to America and ends up becoming a Hollywood producer. But eventually he's forced out for reasons unrelated to why Peppy is forced out. So there's really no connection here other than the producing part and the golden age of Hollywood. Damien Chazelle. Well, also, they both Puppy. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, they're also both. They're both critical they're and commercial also, failures. They're both commercial <laughs> failures. They both are inexplicably, incredibly long. Um, and will they both be Snuff Club movies? Knock on wood, let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb is I... like crying in the corner. Here's the thing. Here's I'm the thing. I'm not crying. I'm I'm regretting some life choices, yes, but I'm not crying yet. <laughs> here's the thing. Peppy, long, yes. The worst movie we watched? No! Absolutely oh, definitely not. not. Definitely not the worst movie we watched. No, no, no. Definitely not. <laughs> um, I'm giving it Worst movie we've watched in a while? Maybe. <laughs> Oh, well, okay. I'm about to say something that's going to get you guys mad, but then I will caveat and say, I'm giving this the same grade I gave Nuns of Nun Story, but the difference is is I do think Nun Story is way better than this. Because my, my issue with Nun Story is, remember, I just didn't enjoy watching it. I think this is more like a, me- like a constant mediocrity here. Like, it's not ever outright bad, really. It's just really boring. <laughs> it's just... I don't know. I felt like it was pretty watchable. I feel like certain parts were pretty enjoyable. I enjoy enjoyable like on a on a relative scale. <laughs> like I wouldn't seek it out for entertainment, but compared to my expectations, I was like, okay, yeah, I kind I kind of like I kind of like you, Peppy. Um, you know, it's fine. It was well, an okay movie. My weird thought while watching this is, I always think about. Well, I don't always think about, but. You see always these clips or in movies set in like the 1930s, 1920s, and people just walk into the movie theater and the movies oh, all right. Okay, actually this is a good example, because it is around the time this movie comes out, is in the Fablemans, right? I know you haven't seen the Fablemans, Sarah, but Caleb has in In the Fablemans, Sammy Fableman in one scene just like it's with his friends, they go like, oh, let's just walk in the middle of the man who shot Liberty Valance and watch a bit of it. And I'm like, this is like that type of movie. Like you would just 
walk in and like watch 30 minutes of it and go like, all right. And then you walk right out and you won't. They walk in. To be fair to Sammy, he walks in in the first scene. I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen the main shot for the slippery bounce. I haven't seen the movements. But that's what his friends are disrespecting it by talking through yeah, it. But. Well, my point is, though, I guess like, that might not be the best example because I haven't seen the movie. But there are, like, you know, like in the 30s and the 40s, you always see, like, people will walk in the middle of, like, a Charlie Chaplin short. Or, like, they'll, you know what I mean? Like, that was, like, a phenomenon. You'd walk in the middle of the movie and you'd stick around until them started again. So you see how it began. And that's how this feels like to me. Feels like you could walk in any moment and be like, okay, like, great. Um, in Ergo, to me, I think the modern equivalent of this is a movie like um, like 21 Bridges, which I've never seen, but it's like the the prime TNT movie where you just turn it on, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this is, a, or like, you know what I mean? Like a TNT TBS movie where it's like, okay, like I can walk right into this, not worry about what I'm watching, and just watch it for a bit and be like, all right, what else is on? Does that make a good movie? Probably not, but that's, that's what I feel like this is. Caleb, what do you think of the movie? This is not the worst movie we've seen. Is it possibly the fourth worst movie we've seen? Well, you should check out my letterbox list of snub club movies ranked to find out. However, here's what I'll say. It's always interesting when an international star tries to transition into Hollywood. My favorite example of this is Red Sun, which was a 1971 Western starring Toshiro Meofune. Uh, who was in a lot of Akira Kurosawa movies. That movie's also not good. Um, You can also see this on a director's side a lot more often. Um, Obviously, movies like Mission Impossible 2 and Face Off. uh, Mickey 7 coming next year. Yeah, there's... there's, Bong I know has already done it. It's (laughs) interesting. It's interesting to see someone who was successful in their own country try to transition into American film. So... For context, that's it. The rest of this movie sucked. So, so for context, so Quentin Floss had one big role before this. He played famous Frenchman Passepartout Two in in Around the World in Eighty Days, um, which won Best Picture, and then he won the Golden Globe for Best Actor. Um, Wait, so this so was like his. Is he the lead of Around? I've never seen Around the World in Eighty Days. So it depended on which country you were in, whether he was billed as lead or not. Basically, if it was not an English-speaking country, he was billed as lead. And who was the lead here? I'm just curious. Like the other guy in the movie. I've never seen the I movie. Don't I don't know. Well, David. So David Niven played okay. Phileas Fogg. That's why I, mean. I didn't know who the other character the lead, was. Okay. the British man, and then he has a French valet, played of course by Quentin Floss, and then Jackie Chan. See, that's so. why I wanted to know who the Jackie Chan character was. That's really where I was like, okay, so which one of these guys is Jackie Chan? <laughs> I've never seen that one either, but I, I, I remember the trailers for it very vividly. But so, yeah, this was like his next big project after he had, he was on an upward, upward spiral. It all came crashing down after this. And then he, and then he never worked in Hollywood again. He, uh, he made many, I believe he kept making many movies in Mexico. And I think some of those actually did do okay in America, probably because of a, uh, probably in like areas that had a it's like, large, like Hispanic it's like population. Today where, um, but... His name is completely escaping me right now, but the guy who was in Coda, um, but I don't know why I can't remember his name, but his movies always do very well in the specialty box office here. And they play, he's, he's a Mexican star. Um, he was in the movie, 
I remember very, I saw he has a movie I think called Batteries Not Included, or no, it's not that. It's safe. Now I'm gonna going crazy. Anyway, it he has is a movie. I think it's Batteries Not Included, but I'm pretty sure that's a remake of an older movie. Okay, oh, I just remember there is an older movie called Batteries I, Not Included. I just re- I know because I covered it on my other podcast, but I just remember I saw that one at my local theater out of just because I was like, oh, it looks like it has decent reviews, and my aunt wanted to see a movie. And we're, we're just bawling our eyes out at the end. It's Eugenio Derbez. That's what I was thinking of. He's a very, he's, he's a occasional B-list star here, but he, his movies do really well in Mexico and do well with the Hispanic crowd here when his Mexican movies come over here. That's all I was saying. He's a good comparison point. Instructions not included. It's not, sorry. I was like, I need to know the name of this movie. Um, it's instructions not included. Uh, but yeah, that's all. My point is this this still kind of happens occasionally. We still have stars like this who kind of cross over. I also think of um the guy who was in um Mission Impossible 4, the Indian star, who's frequently in Bollywood movies too. But you know what I mean? Like this happens, I don't know. Or yeah. the guy from Eternals. You know, Eternals. We all love that movie, right? The, the Korean was star actually, from Eternals. Yeah. Uh, I was going to bring that up. Uh, Mong Dan Sok, I think yeah. is his name. Even though that movie's credited he's, as Don Lee. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, he's in a lot of he's in a lot of really good movies. Yeah. Yes. And I mean. Uh, not Eternals. We haven't really seen it yet, but like all of the like Squid Game cast is like now getting cast in American production. I am very glad Song Kang Ho is completely avoiding this and just. Starring good movies, I'm I'm glad for that. I we don't need the parasite stars to become big here. Like like they they were good enough. I don't I don't mean that sounds bad, but it's like you know the opportunity. I hate to be like the opportunities we provide here are terrible, but like they usually are. So it just like it just I don't know. Like I'm thinking of like Tommy Lung in Shang Chi. I'm like I'm really glad he was in it. And that, like a lot of Americans will, who would never have seen any of his other movies, will see him in this. But like, is that going to be anywhere close to his best performance? No. Uh, this is the part where I'd be obnoxiously. Um, well, actually, um, Hero was a big hit in the U.S. And Tony Young is like the third build actor in that. Just saying. Yeah, that's true. It was a very yeah, big. No, that's, that that's was fair. like during the Wuxia. I always mispronounce that Wuxia craze. But anyway. Um, but yeah. Hollywood always really bad about giving people who aren't white a second chance. Uh, well, and I, I mean, I already, I already made this joke with you, but it's like, so he never worked in Hollywood again, and then the next year they made West Side Story, and they just used white people. I did, I did think about that because there is a there is a dance number in this that is very West Side Story, and I was like, oh huh, well, this this movie at least actually had a. Uh, yeah, a uh, non-white person in the lead, even though they're not—he's not involved in that dance number. All right, so Peppy, as I already said in our intro, because I wanted to be full disclosure about this, because I—I think I've, I don't know if I commented on here, but I usually like I abhor people who watch movies sped up. I, I watched it at one point seven five, so that's my disclaimer. And let me tell you, I slowed it down for the songs, and I was like. Dang, this movie is so slow. If I don't have this sped up, I am glad I'm watching this sped up. Um, I think it made it a lot more tolerable, and that might be why I'm a little more forgiving of it. I also watched it sped up. Um, I slowed it down not for the songs, but for the uh, the parts that had like heavy physical comedy. Mm. 
Um, because that that stuff always kind of gets lost when you're watching it sped up, especially when the movie's speeding up some of the footage. Yeah. Um, man, it still felt super long though. And what's interesting is, according to Wikipedia, um, and I know Wikipedia is um, always trustworthy on this, but it does say the runtime was meant to be 180 minutes, and what we watched was two hours and 37 minutes. Um, but that said, I have to imagine it's just Wikipedia is inaccurate because I didn't really. The movie actually, honestly, pretty much flows from one scene to another. I feel like if you cut out something, it would actually be noticeable. Because it does... No, because it's I always like... like a, lot of, a lot of dialogue was really choppy. Oh, yeah. Also, I, there's one scene that sticks out in this movie. And that's the tequila scene, oh, yeah. which you could easily cut out. Oh, but it was the best scene of the movie. Uh, it, I mean, it probably <laughs> was. Debbie Reynolds! <laughs> You, order- you could also cut a lot of the uh, a lot of the casino segment. Yeah, here's segment. the thing, though: is the casino was like probably my favorite scene because it just kept going. <laughs> okay, so I so I watch at one point five speed, and regarding the songs, I would slow it down. I would listen to a few bars, and then I would skip. I was not going to be listening <laughs> to that. I, I, wait so wait so did you skip the tequila scene? No, I, well I skipped. Okay, good. I skipped like a little bit. Can I? Can I, <laughs> can I okay, so the cameos in this movie, right there, there's a lot of them. But I gotta say, shout out to Judy Garland, of course, for looking at the offer and going like, I'm busy, but I can phone in something and you guys can play it. She was sick. She wasn't busy. <laughs> She was. This was her first time in six years being in a movie. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure she was turning down roles. Well, oh, you're right. You're right. right. Oh, that's so sad. I was, well, Judy Garland's life in general is just always so sad. Star is Born, though, was such a good movie. The one she's in, to be clear. People like giving shit about her. I mean, the one that she's in. <laughs> she's the, it's a good one. <laughs> you know, we should go for these cameos and see how many of these people have been in movies they've seen. Obviously, Maurice okay. Chevrolet. I did. So here's the thing is I did. I didn't do nominations. I did wins. And we're looking at 10 wins total. Oh, 10 wins of the Oscars? Yes. I didn't look at nominations for that. For the well, yeah, Judy, I only looked at their wins. Well, who is Greer Garson? Did I just watch a movie of her? No. We have seen a movie with her. I'm thinking of Greta Garbo. That's who I just watched a movie with. But yes, we have seen a movie with Greer Garson. We've obviously seen Maurice Chevrolet. Um, Chevalier, Tony Curtis. Have you seen Tony Curtis? I forget. No, we haven't seen Tony Curtis. Oh, I'm thinking even because of um, wait, what? Oh, Jack Lemon. Um, it's very funny to me. The Jack Lemon cameo on this is very funny that he's in this the same year as the apartment. Just the whole idea of like he is in like what is considered one of the canonical classics of like all time movies, and in the same year. He's just reprising the role from some like an eye. He's the one reprising the role, right? It's not Tony Curtis, right? Or am I mixing them up? No, it is Jack Lemon. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. fun fact is this is the only time that he's ever in that character in color. Yes, I really that really <laughs> threw me off. As you've you've seen some like a cot, right, Caleb? I I've seen the relevant scenes. I have it on DVD. I just need to watch it. Well, nobody's perfect. The big fart. Of a joke. Get the joke. Yeah, a big part of a joke. I think Edward G. Robinson has also been in the movie we've seen. Um, I think he has, yeah. He has a very familiar face. Double indemnity. He's in double indemnity. Greer Garson was in 
Madam Carey and Random Harvest, by the way. Ah, yes. But yes, a lot of a lot of cameos. And then we also, of course, we saw Donna Reed in It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, and there is a magazine that had Audrey Hepburn in her Anun story outfit. I did notice that too. And what I also noticed, and this is the most important cameo, which is not to do with our podcast, but Oh, we've also sorry, we've also we've also seen Frank Sinatra and Guys and Dolls. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 of course. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I kind of forget that Sinatra had a whole movie with us. Uh, but I'm of course referring though to um, Carl Montalman making a very brief role in this. I, I, is this pre-fame? I feel like I think this is. Yeah, this is pre. I feel like he was always like a character actor people knew. Wait, I'm an idiot. Cancel me. I'm mixing up him with his brother Ricardo Montalban. Because I mean, he was like, yeah, this is Khan. But I was like, he doesn't look familiar to me at all. But Ricardo Montalban is, of course, Khan in Star Trek, of course. <laughs> but, yeah. The big cameos. Because a lot of them is like, Zsa Zsa Gabor gets into a car and drives away. Like, that's most of the cameos here. But the big ones are Jack Lemon has a whole bit where he's he keeps getting in and out of drag and confusing Pepe. Debbie Reynolds dances to tequila with Pepe. Frank Sinatra runs the casino that Pepe wins a lot of money at. Maurice Chevalier There's gets one a big other big dance. one I'm forgetting. Maurice Chevalier gets yes. a big dance number. Chevalier. I know. I'll keep this yeah. last time I have to mispronounce his name, I'm sure. Um, it, which was, it was cool seeing him older. in this. Yeah. Like, we've come a long way since Love Parade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but Gigi, Gigi came out like pretty recently. I mean, Comparatively recently as well. Well, yeah, but I haven't seen Gigi. As some, well, it's the same era. I I watched The Apartment a few weeks ago um, at the Music Box, and one thing that kind of just blew my mind watching it was like, wow, Shirley MacLaine is in this, <laughs> and like you know she still regularly acts. You know, it's just like sometimes you just really think about like or like that movie coming out eighty for Brady, and it's like Rita Moreno was in Singing in the Rain, and she's still acting regularly, like. What, like you really think about sometimes it's like obvious I mean it's like you know obviously but it's like yeah we have gone a long way but it's like also people live a long time and you just forget about it when you're watching all these movies in a row you know and also Dennis the Menace is in this oh yeah presumably his uh only lo- uh big screen appearance I assume no I, just, I mean it's making me think Danny or Sarah can you think of besides like so Gary Cooper died in 1960 is he the first like lead actor from one of our things who's died oh yeah yeah yeah. I forgot we covered Bogart is Humphrey Bogart dead I don't think he's dead yet oh he dies he dies pretty young huh is Ronald Coleman dead that's what I'm curious he hasn't popped up in a lot recently Ronald Coleman is dead but only two years dead okay I just checked the guy from Alibi. He's he's he still has a decade. Nice. I don't think he's acting, but you know. Is Jimmy Stewart dead? No, I'm kidding. I know, of course, Jimmy Stewart isn't dead. We've got a lot to get through for Jimmy still. There actually, I there are there were multiple people who had tragic deaths. I'm forgetting what movie. There was the guy from the letter who were like, "This guy's great. When's he gonna blow up? Oh shit, he dies like three months later." Yeah, there are definitely there are definitely people who I'm forgetting about, but this movie has no plot. This is, it really doesn't. I'm sorry. It really it is 
So there's a couple cool sequences. I do think that the kill sequence is great. I really liked the kill sequence. What? Why? It's weird. That's why I like it. It <laughs> just becomes trippy why love. I'm... I'm like, what's going on over here? Ooh. And then it gets dumb. I won't say it's great, but it did make me pay attention. Yeah, exactly. And also it's like, it's always weird to me when I hear tequila like in a movie, like an old movie. You know? it's like, well, it's oh, yeah. not even, it's not even the most famous movie scene with tequila in it. Yeah, I know. That's a baby driver. I'm joking, of course. How often has tequila shown up in movies? Sorry, y'all. I don't have anything to say about this movie. It's really hard to talk about despite being so long because it's like, and this happened and this happened. And I watched it two days ago, too. And it's just like, I, I watched it. It went in my eyes and straight out the back, basically. <laughs> it's a very, to me, like, yes, it's not memorable, but it's very watchable. And I think even if I watch it on regular speed, which I never will do, I feel like you could still watch it. I do like the horse. I'm not sure you could. This is nothing goes on in this movie. And it's just there are just so many like the plot keeps changing because if it was just about Pepe's going to get his horse then i'd be okay with that but it gets into this just overwrought we have to make a movie but we don't have any time to focus on the movie because we have to shove in more cameos and then the ending pisses me off wait but a second I, I, i'm not sure you don't this like is a the bad horse? wait a second horse wait a cute. second so we got a scene with tequila we got peppy trying to get his horse or his you know his mode of transportation back We've got celebrity cameos. We've got a movie at the end. Are we talking about Phoebe's Big Adventure right now? <laughs> Which is it more similar to Phoebe's Big Adventure or Babylon? I mean, I was honestly the way you I thought you were building up to the Muppet movie personally, what you were saying there. <laughs> I, I, the cameos really to me is really what makes us feel in a way like, okay, this is like. In a way, this is like a dry run for um, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, but that movie is like actually good and has a plot. <laughs> He's also in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. He has a cameo in it. Great. I'm glad they remembered him for that because it's a good it's I'm glad he's in a good movie. <laughs> like, uh, What did we think about him? Because so from what I've read about him, he a lot of his comedy came from like linguistic stuff that obviously doesn't translate into English. Hold on. He was not in It's a Mad Man. Yeah, I mean, this is what we're both thinking. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, is this on his wiki page? Let me That's check. just not true. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we can't, we can't, sorry, sorry, Caleb, we gotta. No, no, you're good. I, <laughs> that, maybe, there's some connection to It's a Mad Man, Mad Man world. I'm sure there's a lot of overlapping cameos, I'll say that. That's true. Jimmy Durant's in both. I thought he was fine. I didn't like he wasn't, you know, he was fine. Yeah, he's he's definitely in the movie. <laughs> That's how I, like, I mean, it's it's okay. So like I feel like to me, the actual modern comparison for this movie, even though obviously the movie I'm about to say is not scripted in the way this is, but I, I kept thinking about Borat while watching this. Like, this is a really bloated, bad Borat movie. And I watch Borat, and I find Sacha Baron Cohen hilarious in it. I was just thinking about if this was actually Borat, and he actually met all these people. 
<laughs> That'd be so funny. They should do. I mean, I, I a hundred. I, I mean, people are like a Borat movie needs to have this on script of parts to be good. I'm like, yeah, but I'm sure you could put Borat in a scripted movie and he'd still be funny. Like, <laughs> but like Borat is just a good character. Um, but obviously, the the peel Borat is the unscripted stuff, and of course. <laughs> have I ever told you guys that I've taught kids at work the, the the Borat lines like during the pandemic all the kids start repeating back to me wah 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 very nice very nice and I also would show I showed them the cheese segment because the cheese segment is not what is this that's <laughs> cheese what is this that's cheese <laughs> kill them using the cheese Borat segment no Ooh, you gotta look it up afterwards it's it's a great one. Um, it's like it's like five minutes. It's five long. minutes long. I'm trying to figure out why I thought he was in "It's a Mad 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 World," and I think it is just that they both have a lot of cameos. Why didn't <laughs> that mixed with of being in around the world in eighty days must have like melded into my mind? I feel like we don't have like the big cameo project anymore. Outside of like Muppet How dare you? How and... dare you? Movie 43. Oh, okay. You know what? You were... This does remind me of movie 43, honestly. Well, I was going to say Glass Onion is like the one that comes to mind. Is like, oh, there were a lot of cameos in that. But that even there, it's like not really there. Movie 43, I've never seen and I'm going to keep it that way. <laughs> Unless it qualifies for this podcast. Well, now I'm going to look up how many Oscar winners are in movie 43. <laughs> Um, Hugh Jackman doesn't have an Oscar. Neither does Naomi Watts. Those are the two people who come to mind. What about, what about Emma Stone? If she's Emma in it, then there's an Oscar winner. Yeah, so there's at least one. Common is in it. Oh, yeah, he has got an Oscar. Uh, James so, so far Gunn. So we've got two. James Gunn has an Oscar, right? No. Kate Winslet. She's in it. She's in movie 43? Yeah. I she's actually in had no Jackson idea she was in movie. Um, do we Can we count the Fairly who directed it? <laughs> if we must, Halle Berry. Rich, is Halle is, Berry in it? Yeah, I have the I have the letterbox page open. Is Richard Gere have an Oscar? I don't think so. Does Uma Thurman have an Oscar? Does Uma Thurman have an Oscar? I don't think she does. I don't think Dennis Quaid or Greg Kinnear have one either. The yeah. guy from The Bear is in this. I know. I saw that. <laughs> uh, the K K Bowser has a nom. Not a not a Kate one. Bosworth. Bobby Cannavale will probably get one eventually. If what he... would Kate Bosworth have been? Kate Bosworth would definitely. She was not nominated. No, she definitely was not. Yes, she was. Look it up. Kate Bosworth. This, no, Terrence Howard was just nominated. I think it's just those ones. Kate, Kate Bosworth, Bosworth has an Oscar now. Look it up. I mean, she definitely does not. She definitely what does. Would she have got, what would she definitely? What would she have gotten it for? Almost famous. <laughs> You're thinking of Kate Hudson. Oh, you're right. This is embarrassing. Yeah, you know, that, your mind's been glass onion. You can only think of. You're right. You're right. No, okay. You're, you're right. Because I was looking up Kate Bosworth recently for another reason. And I also looked up Kate Hudson recently. So you're right. You're right. I, I have failed. So I lost Kate. track. I want to say like five people. Also, you could count like Six some Wes Anderson her. movies are full of cameos. Yeah, I'm counting him. So like five people. What about? Oh, Julian Moore. Wait, I miss Julian Moore. Wait, Julian Moore's in this too. <laughs> yes. Ow. She's in a segment directed by Bob Odenkirk. Okay, okay. Who has more? Who? 
which movie has more awards? Does movie 43 have more Oscars in its cameos? Or does Tick, Tick, Boom have more Tonys in its one scene at the diner? That's a lot to... So so we, what, like six Oscars in movie 43? (laughs) Am I the only one looking... I don't I don't know who's won Tony. Like I don't know any of the people in Tick Tick Boom except for like two people. So I don't even know where, where to start. I have to go through each of them individually. I'm back. My Wi-Fi went down, but now it's back. Oh. <laughs> Danny, we're really on very thought. important work. Oh, are we figuring out the movie forty three um stuff still? Or no, we, we moved on to another We're now figuring movie. out Tick Tick Boom, the diner scene. How many uh, of those people have won Tonys? Andre the Shields, obviously. And are we counting the whole cast? Because then you can also just throw in Andrew no, Garfield. No, just in the diner. Okay, because Andrew Garfield. Well, Andrew Garfield is in the diner. Does he count? Because he has a Tony. Did he yeah. win a Tony? For Angels he has America. won a Tony for Angels in America. And Joshua that, that Henry has also won. But he wasn't in the diner. Yeah, he's not in that scene. That, that doesn't count. Joshua Henry doesn't have a Tony. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. What about Vanessa Hudgens? Does she, she have a Tony? She does not, but she may Joshua have Joshua Henry is like, yeah, Joshua Henry, as I said, I thought, was is a three-time nominee, but no winners for Tonys. He's been Are nominated for the Scottsboro Boys, Violet, and Carousel. He has never won. What? Yeah. Sorry. Who won that year, though? The Scottsboro Boys. Has Felicia Rashad won a Tony? Maybe. Probably. She's the other person. I mean, I oh, that was your that Tony Shalhoub one. Oh, oh. oh, is that Boys in the Band? No, that was the band's visit. The band, yeah, yeah. I don't know Terrible win. about theater. I hated it. I'm so mad. Felicia Rashad does have a Tony. She's the first black actress to win a Tony for Best Lead Actress for Raising the Sun. I'm a big Felicia Rashad fan. 3-3, coming to theaters near you. I don't know if she's in it or not, but we just got to assume. All right. What else can we talk about with Peppy? <laughs> well, we're already. It's I'm 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 on five, so we're just gonna assume that there's more. Okay, that makes sense because that that is a from what I understand a very loaded scene, cameo. Yeah, yeah but Philippa Sue didn't win, and she was in the scene. Joel Mama didn't win. Oh, I just I don't get what the jokes are supposed to be here with Pepe, like. <laughs> there's some like some fish out of water things but he never has like a reaction to them people will just tell him it's like hey this is a thing he goes no that's people not are, the thing they people are very, they're very easy going with Pepe like they're just kind of like Pepe what are you doing Kim Novak just like automatically like this is my guy <laughs> Kim Novak seemed really sad in her scene didn't she <laughs> she's she really upset <laughs> She was like, if only I could have a man like Pepe. <laughs> I wish I could have a man like Pepe. I wish I could be a man like Pepe. I I hate the ending. I hate that they cop out and don't give him the white love interest. I think that's so, so disgusting. Like, I, I get... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not only... Really that's very valid, but I'm like, the whole, the whole movie is... I don't kind know if I would get that mad about it. Imbued in... Like, it's completely, like, dug into this, like... Haha, ha, it's funny because he's Mexican. It's kind of like that. That's kind of like the whole movie's basic vibe to me. So, of course, he wasn't going to end up with the white love. Like, I hate to be like, I mean, it is gross and disgusting, but 
I, I totally like, it was like, it'd be so weird if this movie was kind of suddenly just like, yeah, no, yeah, definitely. You know, it's not, it's not unexpected, but it doesn't make that any less, you know, sure. Because also like the, you know, it's that classic thing where they write the movie where these two characters should get together. And then in the last scene, they got to flip it and send her off to be with the jerk. That's how, that's how movies should end. It's, it's real to life. Like, remember how in the nun story, they kept running the entire time like she was going to keep being married to Jesus, and at the end, she walked out on him? Sorry. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You guys think that... Okay, so... So Janet Lee and Tony Curtis were in this movie. This movie is really convenient for, like, old-timey um, six degrees of, you know? Like, know. so, so convenient to have this movie in your back pocket. <laughs> So they were in this movie. This movie came out in 1960. Their daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis, was born in 1958. Do do we think she met Pepe? <laughs> Maybe. When she wins the Oscar for everywhere all at once, she be got she's got to be like, from the very first set my parents took me to, from Academy Award nominated film Pepe. <laughs> she's gonna be she's gonna be zooming in. She's gonna be like, I'm still at home. I'm still in bed. <laughs> Remember, they never they never let anyone zoom in at the Oscars. That's they have to be at a specific location. Yeah, they have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's disrespectful to the 80-year-old winners. If we other anyway, sorry. Um <laughs> but I don't like what is there to talk about here? <laughs> is there first off, I don't think I think of all of our uh animal performers the horse might be one of the worst oh i was gonna say i like the horse, the horse i love good. the guy when the horse is sleeping on the table one of the few the things horse listen, good. but but if we compare him to skippy yeah but skippy's nah. a dog i'm always gonna give a dog about well, a yeah, horse. The, the, even the worst dog is gonna be better than the best horse I don't well, know if I'd go that hard. by default <laughs> that could by be default, a really bad dog this horse is our worst because we've only had dogs well, no, we had some leopards and stuff in Quovitis. I feel like we had... They didn't eat anyone, and that's a win in my book. Didn't we have, like, didn't... I feel like there was one of the melodramas where they had a really dumb pet. They had big, like... Birds. Of in Mary Lee We Live, they had, like, big Dobermans or something. Those dogs... I think they had, like, Those dogs were not up-trained. I remember them. They were, like, always, like, going at people, and they're like... Oh boy, heal! <laughs> yeah, but by Sarah's logic, they're the best. They're yeah. better than the horse. Well, the horse was good though. The horse was good. I thought I like the horse. I'm very pro horse. I think the horses in Annie Maine were better. I'm just you're just bringing up movies that I don't even. No. Remember. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, <laughs> hey, what about the what about the goose in the in the Quaker movie? That was a good. I like that animal. That was a good animal performance too. You might just be mad the animal existed, okay? Just because you want all geese to die doesn't... <laughs> what? This is an unhinged episode. Unhinged! Thanks, Peppy! <laughs> no, I've done an unhinged episode. I did an episode on the movie Unhinged for my other podcast. Um, is this... Is it, how, long, how long till we get another movie with a uh, non-white lead? Great question! Probably in a couple of years. Well, let me look. Let me look. So I, I, but what I wanted to say very quickly while I look is I just want to drop this take because we were talking about Borat earlier. We we're talking about cameos. Is I do think Borat 2 would be a much better film if the Tom Hanks cameo had him in costume 
as the character from Elvis he played. So yeah, but they when, couldn't do that. But it would have been so funny. Imagine if Tom Hanks just showed up in that suit and would be like, what the heck? Who is that? And he'd be like, I'm Tom Hanks. And everyone would be like, what? It would be such a brilliant way to start the Elvis campaign so early. Uh, oh, I yeah. No, yeah, we haven't. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Next Sam. year. We'll, next year. Yeah, literally next year. Yeah. I had to promise my girlfriend uh, that I would stop doing an AM impersonation of Tom Parker because it's just so fun to do. Some might say I'm the villain of this here story. We're just two boys reaching for you will, eternity. You will sing the Santa, the Santa Claus song. You will sing the Santa Claus song. That would be That's so my good. favorite part of the movie. That's the best part of that movie. Is that you will that sing movie. the Santa Claus song. That movie's good, honestly. Hot day, hot day. Elvis I love good. Elvis. It was fine. My favorite Elvis movie of 2022. First- it was okay. Elvis was the first time like I, I locked into what Baz Luhrmann was doing with a movie. Hey, what's what's y'all's uh what's y'all's favorite movie of, of uh 2023? Let's talk about something other than Pepe. Uh so far it's a movie that hasn't released yet. It's called How to Blow Up a Pipeline. I saw it at a festival cool. last year. If it's a movie that has Mine's, to be released, uh, it's gonna rank. Spooked me. This is so disappointing. Mine's, uh, the Devil's Conspiracy. Right. <laughs> this is so disappointing to hear. What? There's only one answer. She's bulletproof. Nothing to lose. Fire away. Fire away. It's Megan. See, I, I knew you were going to say that. That's why I wanted to say uh, drop a hot take with The Devil's Conspiracy, a movie that no one will remember in, Guys, by the time this episode's I out. I just want to say I looked on Letterboxd on my stats page right now because I was like, what movies have I seen this year? And I saw... So obviously right now it's listing Brendan Fraser as my number one actor because he's the only actor I'm running through right now. But then I look at the other stuff. Writers, Brad Bird. All right, that makes sense because uh, we did a bunch of his, we did two of his shorts at um, for um, the Pixar podcast. But then I see there are two people, Ben Milsom and Vanessa Cole, that I've seen two movies of in art direction, set direction, decoration. Now I will point out, I have not yet log- logged The Mummy 2. So none of these are people involved with The Mummy. But I look at them and I see these two, the two films that they have done together that I've seen this year are Megan and Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> I love that they did someone who worked on the same, those two movies. Maybe they both, they were like, yeah, we just did Avatar like four years ago <laughs> and it's finally out and now we're working on Megan. Because we know Megan was Dogs made in a day. for Megan's Revenge. Megan's got to ride the whales. That's what we want. Well, f- what, how would Megan react to Pepe? She'd be like, do you want to be a friend? <laughs> I just can't even picture this scenario. User. I can't even <laughs> picture this scenario because Megan is such a freak. <laughs> <laughs> that part when she's looking at the neighbor and she's not even saying anything. <laughs> Uh, okay. I think we should start wrapping it up. <laughs> I think we should start wrapping this up like 30 minutes ago. All right, Sarah, what was this nominated for? The whole idea of us doing this segment is so funny. Um, I don't even know what I'm going to choose. Um, best art direction color, best cinematography color, best costume design color, best film editing. <laughs> Best scoring of a musical picture, best song for Faraway Part of Town, the Judy Garland one, uh, best sound. Now, 
I actually think I, I as much as I like this, like this movie's completely whatever. I do think one of these is a worthy knob. And that'll be the one I give the one to. And I think the costume design in this movie is constantly really good. It uses the Technicolor really well. Um, and speaking of someone who's seen Spartacus, I am, I know we don't usually go like this. Wait, this isn't the year of Spartacus. Oh, no, yeah, this is it the is. year of Spartacus. It yeah. lost the Spartacus. Yeah, and this is a, well, I've seen Spartacus costume. They're fine. But these are, like, I actually like these costumes better. This would have been a completely valid win for this movie, I feel like. Not knowing the other competitors, but, like, it's got good costumes. I would go with costume design. I agree. Actually, <laughs> well, I, I do agree. I do agree. I do agree. I'm gonna give a. I'm gonna give a best score. <laughs> okay. The score isn't bad. Um, the editing in this is awful. It just keeps fading in and out. It's like you're watching, like the cut that's supposed to be for TV, and like you're gonna keep getting commercials. I hated it so much. Um, I can't believe it was nominated for editing. Uh, no, hey, I'm gonna. I'm do you gonna know give what it one editing in 2018. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> As this is where, no, this is where was... you put in the audio clip of just the chair being sat down. <laughs> I just remember I constantly see like. The the JPEG of that chair and immediately know what people were talking about. <laughs> we're talking about Bohemian Rhapsody. We're talking. Sorry, go far away. Far away part of town's a good song. I'm gonna give it to that. Okay, but what what nominated? <laughs> what what Oh wait. Oh yeah, we're doing the noms. Oh shit. No no okay. no no. We're um, doing the winners, but now you have to do the nom. You have to have a nom. Oh yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, best special effects, obviously, for the tequila scene. Okay. I don't think we've explained what the tequila scene is. Well, the, How can you explain it. something to, like that? It, it explains. It explains itself. Yeah. Someone opens up a bottle of tequila, and who comes out? <laughs> what are they? Are they aliens? <laughs> Who comes out? But Debbie Reynolds and Pepe to do a little dance, but they're tiny. But they're dressed like. Like Nickelodeon characters, like I don't even like Speedy Gonzalez or something. Like it's. Um, what am I gonna give this? I'm gonna say this is this is me trying to be as sincere as possible. I'm gonna say best actor for Content Boss because he pro- he deserved better, and he was probably snubbed for Around the World in 80 Days. Sure. Now here's my thoughts. This is my very hot take. Do you guys remember when we talked about Scrooge and how there was a bunch of boring songs they could have nominated that are the Oscar bait song and they ignored the good, they actually nominated the good song with that movie with thank you very, 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 very much. I think Far Away Part of Town is 100% the type of song I'm complaining about. It's like, why is this slow Judy Garland song playing in this movie? No one is watching this movie for the drama of Peppy or his friends. Uh, so I, I'm i not replacing them. Obviously, I can't do that. But I will have Peppy to be a double song nom. Because I think the, 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 the song that's just titled Peppy is a way better song. Like, it is a better song in this movie. I think it is a completely valid movie song. I believe that's the song that has the big dance number that you were referring to earlier with the West Side Story stuff. Um, I think that's... It's not... 
No. There's a scene in a club. It's the it's when Shirley uh, Shirley Jones is dancing. Oh well, this is never Shirley Jones song, but this one's original because I also I remember I also really liked um I really liked Mimi, which is the Maurice Chevalier song, but that's not an original song. Uh, but obviously, the Peppy theme was written for this movie, uh, and I think it's a good song. I liked it. I'm going with Peppy for Peppy. That's the original song. It's like on the, on the movie poster. You'll go Peppy for Pepe. <laughs> All right, guys. Danny, what are we watching next week? Please tell me it's shorter. Oh, I actually don't know. Am I going, oh, is not uh, endemic of the actual thing. Well, this movie, as I said, I alluded to earlier. I don't know if I alluded to it on like, but 1961 uh, and the uh, 34th Academy Awards is I believe our only multi-part series. Oh, that's not true. We have a two-parter later on, but it's a three-parter. We have three movies to tackle at the ceremony. The first one we'll be covering is, well, it, it, it's it's 134 minutes. That's your answer. So it is shorter, but it's still kind of long. Um, but can I have a drum roll, please? The film we'll be covering is... Joshua Logan's Fanny. This has Maurice Chevalier in it. Oh, so I guess I was wrong. I'm I will, just looking at I will entire, You'll get an entire number of episodes of this, this guy's name. I'm just looking at a snippet from this, from this Wikipedia article. Plans for the original title Joshua Logan's Fanny were scrapped when reporters pointed out the double meaning. <laughs> I will say this guy. Um, has directed a lot of big name movies. He directed uh, Sayonara. He directed what I, I'm surprised this is his fourth most popular letterbox, Paint Your Wagon, which is the movie I've actually heard of. Um, yeah, uh, I think this movie's supposed to be okay. Like, you know, like it's not like Peppy where it's like notorious bad bomb. I think it's supposed to be okay. So hopefully it is okay. So, Fanny! I hope we're Fannies. All right. I'm Danny Vincent. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Blank Hits. You can also listen to my other podcast, Looking for the Ocean, A Pixar Journey, where Caleb will be on very soon to talk about cars. So y'all know, if there's one thing Caleb is an expert on, it's Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> feel targeted as a Southerner. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have the pimp. I have nothing else going on in my life right now. Hey y'all, I'm Caleb. You can find me at Caleb from the Real World on Instagram and YouTube. From there, you can find my litany of other podcasts, Star Wars Therapy, Hot Trash Unlimited, and All New 52. Also, since I mentioned my letterbox earlier, you can find me there at The Myth King. Um, and you can get mad at me for my bad takes on movies. Uh, thanks to our editor, Joe. Thank thanks, you, Joe. Joe. Thanks, Joe. Good luck. Thank you very, 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 very much. <laughs> Joe, what's your favorite Peppy cameo? Peppy like you. <laughs> you did answer you last time. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Um, You can find me on Letterboxd, Sarah Kanoff. You can find me on Instagram, SGGay29, E-S-S-G-E-K-Y-29. You can find us on Facebook, Does Not Club, Twitter, Slump Club Pod, I think. Um, Instagram Slump Club Podcast. 
before we totally sign off, I, I did realize we should have acknowledged one thing in this episode that will be coming next in our next episode too, which is that you might be wondering, weren't the Oscar noms last week? Why don't you guys do your usual snub club talk about what you think will be nominated for the snub club? Or we're recording this before that. So also in our next episode, before we talk about Fanny, we will talk a bit about the Oscar noms and we'll talk about what our initial take on what we think the snub club movie will be this year. But then afterwards, of course, we will talk about Fanny. Yeah. Peppy. Bye. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>